Hello and welcome to National League Town. Mets fandom, Mets history, Mets life, with Long Island's own Greg Prince and Jeff Heisen. Hey, Greg. Greetings from the aftermath of 162 games and greetings from the forefront of who knows how many games in October. On today's show, we look ahead. But first, the Mets didn't blow it. Atlanta took it. And we should briefly mention last week's losses because we didn't have a show right after Sunday's game. We thought about it, but it would have just been 30 minutes of complaining, griping, yelling, and some crying. And then it would have been Greg's turn. And you didn't need to hear that, so here we are. Again, the Mets didn't choke. The Mets gave them an opening by losing games they could have won, but Atlanta seized the opportunity, including those three games, and they did it because Atlanta, sadly, is a very good team. Their fans are obnoxious and entitled. Maybe that happens after you win a World Series. I'd like to find out. But they won it, which doesn't make losing the division any less disappointing, especially after winning 101 games. The wild card is not where we wanted them to be, but it's where they are, and we're excited about playoff baseball on Friday. I feel like we've been shunted to the children's table, and there's been some drastic mistake made, because we indeed have 101 wins tied for the second most in all of baseball, or is it the third most? I guess it's the third most. Well, in that case, I guess we don't belong at the adults' table. Hey, them's the breaks. Uh, To be honest, I've already moved on from the Atlanta series. It is a receding vision in my rear view mirror. Uh, I'm just back from game 162, game home game 81, uh, ready to make the leap to the first game of the playoffs. I'm glad that the Mets picked themselves up, dusted themselves off and appear to start all over again as they kind of swept the floor with Washington as they should have early in September and as they should have done with several teams more than they did. But again, old news, folks. Uh, The new news is that the playoffs are at hand, that the Mets do get to play two or three games this weekend, which is something those poor fans in Atlanta don't get to enjoy. They have to sit around and wait for their team. Our team gets to play ball right away, stay sharp, stay fresh, and if all goes well, move on. But of course, as usual, what is one of our many mantras? One game at a time. You were at the last game. You were there today. You sat through the two-hour rain delay. What was that like? It rained for about three minutes, and I'm not exaggerating or hyperbolizing. Hey, hyperbolizing. You get all kinds of new words when I'm coming home off Long Island Railroad 1030 at night. Uh, it didn't rain. It barely rained. Uh, before the game, they had a tarp on the field. They were giving out what I guess used to be the Doubleday Awards, then the Sterling Awards. And now I think they gave them some boring New York Mets player development awards. I think they were giving Brett Beatty one. When I walked in, which reminded me that 10 years ago, you and I were there with the tarp on the field and Zach Wheeler getting an award in front of nobody as an up and comer. Uh, So the tradition continues with that nobody was paying attention. Uh, Very briefly, I went to get some food. It rained a little bit. I opened my umbrella. I got my food. I closed my umbrella. And then they said, uh, there's lightning in the area. So we're going to have to wait around and wait. We did. Uh, 
I don't know why exactly, other than I'm going to assume that there's some Wilpon holdovers. As you know, anything I don't like about City Field in 2022, I attribute to the Wilpon holdovers, because, of course, Steve Cohn's people can do no wrong. And instead of showing us games from other places or showing us old world series films or highlight packages or the seven run inning from Philadelphia earlier this year, or the two games we won from San Diego to get us stoked. They just had a Mets logo uh, kind of dancing around on the diamond vision and playing loud music. And finally there was some rumbling that there would be a game at six o'clock for a game that was supposed to start at four ten. And the heroes of the day were the grounds crew who came out to ACDC's Thunderstruck, which was also J.J. Putz's warm-up music, you may recall. And as they rolled the tarp, they played Roll With It by Stevie Winwood. And as they pushed the tarp, they played Push It by Salt and Peppa. So that, I thought, was kind of clever. That's probably Steve Cohn's ownership at work. So anyway, and then there was some more waiting. But eventually, we got a nice ball game. And it was a very nice ball game, and it will go down as a footnote because there was nothing at stake except for one player's average not moving. And we'll get to that in a minute, I suppose. But uh, Mark Hanna, three-run homer. And Francisco Lindor, three-run double. And James McCann, do my eyes deceive me, three-run homer. And Terrence Gore ripped a single, which I think made the Washington Nationals just want to give up baseball altogether at that point. Uh, Michael Givens giving his one inning of reminding us that he's there as an opener. Trevor Williams doing his usual yeoman job and uh, somewhere across the continent, Freddie Freeman not going five for six, which is I think what he would have had to have done to have taken the batting title from our very own Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil, the embodiment of a all season second place team suddenly coming along at the very end and snatching a title. Where have I heard that before? Let's not think about that. Let's think about Jeff McNeil coming on like gangbusters at the end of the season, winning the National League batting crown or as the Diamond Vision. I keep calling it Diamond Vision. It's not called that anymore. But as Diamond Vision said, he was the MLB batting champion, which there is no such thing. We still have leagues, people. But yeah. That was exciting. They announced that Jeff McNeil had won it. They managed to push Jeff McNeil out of the dugout for a curtain call. And they even managed to get him into the game, but not to bat because why mess with an average? So it was fun to be able to say I was there on the night Jeff McNeil clinched the batting title. We haven't had too much clinching at City Field, unfortunately. Perhaps we will in the wild card series, but I make a point of going to the final home game of the regular season every year. This was my 27th year in a row, 29th overall. We're not counting 2020. I am not a cardboard cutout. Uh, this was the fifth time I went by myself. You know what their record is when I go by myself on closing day? Five and oh, you should send me to every game 162. When game 162 means something and I had hoped it would mean something. It always means something. It's a Mets game. So it was nice to be there. Nice to be among other diehards and people who just didn't want to waste their tickets and people who love baseball. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And I, I will uh, say this for the Steve Cohn ownership group that can do no wrong. Uh, when they realized that the place was not exactly jammed, they told everybody who uh, was not sitting at field level, hey, you can go sit in field level if you feel like it. Uh, I didn't feel like it. I was in Excelsior. I prefer it there. I was nice and covered. 
but it was a nice gesture for people who maybe didn't want to sit up in the upper deck where it was a little chilly or anywhere else. Uh, the upper deck, of course, was at Shea Stadium. I'm referring to Promenade. But uh, it was a nice gesture, and security was kind of hands-off in general about things and wasn't constantly asking to see your phone with your ticket and all the kinds of things that can be a little annoying. But again, I was really glad to have been there. You know what? If all I had done was gone there and stared at a tarp for two hours, I won't get to do that come winter. And I don't know that I'll get to do that during the playoffs. So any chance uh, to be at City Field uh, where there is a hint of baseball, let alone baseball, I'm happy to report uh, to our listeners that I went to 13 games this year. My record was 10 and three. It's an mm-hmm. underreported record because I didn't make a big deal about it anywhere. But I went 10 and three, which I have to go through my files. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's one of my best years. And by my best years, I mean the Mets best years with me around. But in general, the Mets won a lot of home games. So all I had to do was show up. And that was the easy part. And then got on the train, came home, and here we are. 10 and 3 is much better than your blog partner. Hey, I can't help Jason. Although I guess if he was there tonight, I think he was. We didn't hook up. Uh, he's got a win. I know he was going on about what bad luck he was. But um, good luck for the Mets, for everybody who was there tonight. So let's all start racking up those W's. It is October after all. And if I'm not mistaken, the Mets are undefeated in October 2022 at City Field. And that is a good stage to be at right now. And you mentioned songs that they played for Jeff McNeil. They could have played Winner Takes It All because he won the NL batting title. Only the second Met to do so. The Winner Takes It All, Freddie Freeman standing small at least until perhaps we meet again in the NLCS. Uh, I believe the uh, man who's going to be standing tallest from Jeff McNeil's batting title is Francisco Lindor going up to the counter and uh, signing the papers to buy Jeff McNeil the car. He promised him if he won a batting title, which probably seemed unlikely when he made this promise. But I don't like to spend other people's money, but I get the feeling Francisco Lindor can pretty much buy everybody a car and they don't even have to win a batting title. But that's nice to know. You know what I saw tonight on the platform at Woodside? A kid wearing a custom jersey, number 13, the name on the back, Rat Coon. Talk about a callback. What will have been five years from now be a deep cut. The guy got a jersey made that said Rat Coon. For those who don't remember, and I can understand why you'd want to forget, last year when they didn't know each other very well, uh, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil had a little dust up. Francisco Lindor tried to play it cute, said, I thought that was a rat, and Jeff McNeil thought it was a raccoon. And Jeff McNeil runs into the Zoom press conference room, because he didn't have reporters around at the time, and said, no, it was a raccoon, which was supposed to be hilarious. Well, I guess somebody thought it was hilarious, because they, they got a jersey made that said raccoon 13. Well, uh, those guys became a very dependable double play combination much of the year, and they both contributed a great deal to a top-notch offensive lineup. I mean, let's not forget, uh, Francisco Lindor had, what, 107 RBIs? I may be off by one. Okay, 107, and uh, shows up in the top 10 in several categories in the National League. So, you know, he played his 161st game tonight, and they they took him out – late in the game for McNeil to come in. And uh, that was a nice moment. The kind of thing you see 
on closing day. I mean, I, like I said, I love closing day. I love the finality, but I love even more that the door is ajar. Uh, we didn't close the door on the season. We still get to keep going. So there wasn't that sense of, oh gosh, it was it's the end of the season. It's kind of sad. Uh, I mean, it was sad because we had to wait around for two hours and uh, for three minutes of rain. But uh, beyond that, uh, there was a, a real sense of anticipation. I tell you what, when they put up on the City Vision, as it is known, uh, a graphic that said, next game, Friday night, 8 o'clock, and the National League Wild Card Series, and there was a cheer. Now, I know we're all miserable that they are consigned to the children's table of the Wild Card Series, but at that moment, it kind of dawned on everybody, yeah, we get playoffs, and they are coming. And not just your your podcast pals here are in playoff mode. I think all of Mesopotamia is in playoff mode. And certainly at City Field, there was that little sense of excitement. Again, it would have been a lot different, boy, if, if this game had meant something in terms of figuring out who won the division. And I still, from habit, looked up at the out-of-town scoreboard and saw the Marlins beating the Braves and I still wanted to finish with the same record, even though that's just kind of going to torture me for a while. But, um, you know, we didn't get that. But we, we are getting uh, getting a little further. And you, you, you could sense the anticipation. It wasn't a huge crowd, but it was a, a hearty crowd and a crowd that knew that there's more to come. And that's always great news at the end of a regular season. A hearty crowd and a special crowd. That's what Gary Cohn called people who go to the last game of the season. And speaking of Gary Cohn, a well-deserved nomination for the Ford Frick Award for broadcast excellence. He should have won it, but by now, I'm glad he's nominated again. Yeah, he was nominated once before. I want to say it was after the 2016 season, the year that he declared Bartolo Colon's home run, one of the great moments in baseball history which is exactly what it was. And Gary Cohn called it beautifully. Gary Cohn's been calling things beautifully and brilliantly for more than 30 years. We've sung his praises several times on this show, and we've sung them to each other for years, as Mets fans will. And with no disrespect to the other broadcasters nominated, and there's some terrific local broadcasters uh, whose names were mentioned in the press release, you know, if you've lived with Gary Cohn in your ear, you know, six months a year, every day and or night since 1989, uh, I don't see how it's not called the Gary Cohn Broadcasting Excellence Award. And it's not the Gary Cohn Broadcasters Wing of the Hall of Fame. And, you know, in a way, it feels like he just got here because, you know, when you think about old time, long time, First time, long time. That's uh, broadcasters. You think of three names, uh, Bob and Ralph and Lindsay, whose record for longevity as a group, uh, Gary, Keith and Ron, albeit Keith uh, in absentia, I believe he was on the phone for an inning, uh, matched uh, this season. But Gary's been here for a long time, longer than Bob Murphy was when Bob Murphy got the Ford C. Frick Award in 1994. Uh, so... It's not like he's, you know, the new kid on the block anymore. So, I, you know, I would love to see it happen. Um, you know, Keith Hernandez, I believe, will be eligible this year for whatever Veterans Committee uh, is looking at the Hall of Fame. Could you imagine Gary Cohn and Keith Hernandez going into their segments of the Hall of Fame at the same time? 
Uh, I don't know who would do the game that day, quite frankly, but uh, that would hardly be a problem. So yeah, our uh, our warmest wishes and congratulations and best of luck to Gary Cohn, who I think would be the last person to put his name on a ballot for that sort of thing. But uh, it's just an, another reason he wears so well. And another reason we're going to miss our guys on the TV side uh, when the playoffs roll around. Every other announcer seems inferior. Let's hear a lot of them. Let's hear a lot of them into November. Yeah, let's uh, comparison shop. Uh, not that we're probably going to like what they have to say. Uh, I don't think Al Michaels will be doing the playoffs. And unfortunately, we know Vin Scully's not available to do the World Series. It's not 1986 or 1988 anymore where that's concerned. But hey, we will anxiously tune in and we'll give everybody a chance. And who knows, maybe we'll be surprised. And then by the second inning, we'll mute the sound and listen to Howie and Wayne. One of the things we do on this show is to connect the past to the present. And sometimes that's not always pleasant. We have a Facebook comment from Patty Graham, who writes, For this diehard, as tough as the loss on October 2nd, 2022 was, the loss on October 3rd, 1985 was even tougher. Do you agree? Yeah, because the loss on October 3rd, 1985, and Patty's referring to the Mets not sweeping the Cardinals. They came in three games out going into St. Louis. They needed to win all three to forge a tie. They won the first two, both rather memorably. The first one was the famous home run off the clock uh, conclusion that Daryl Strawberry gave us off Ken Daly after Ron Darling had dueled John Tudor scorelessly. And then the next night, Doc wins his 24th game. That's the 24 in 24 and four. And if they won the third game after being kind of stumbly, shall we say, through September, they would have been tied for first place with their arch rivals with three games to go. And the Mets were going to go home and play Montreal. The Cardinals had Chicago coming in. And it was a little miracle inside what shouldn't have taken a miracle. But that's another story. And said the Mets lose, I believe it was five to four. Gary Carter flying out to Andy Van Slyke in right field to end it. And that did not eliminate the Mets, much as losing that third game in Atlanta did not eliminate the Mets in 2022. But you felt the bottom fall out of whatever chances were left. The Mets were now down two with three to play, much like this year. There were no tiebreakers in those years. So you needed lots to happen. And you need the Cubs, who were terrible that year, to do you a big favor against the Cardinals, and you need the Mets to take care of business against the Expos, and there was only the National League East up for grabs. There was no wild card. I think our listeners are pretty hip to that. So we got one more night of being alive because we won on Friday night and stayed within two games with two to play, but the inevitable happened, and the Cardinals eliminated the Cubs while the Mets were losing to the Expos. Actually, the Cardinals didn't eliminate the Cubs. The Cardinals knocked out the Cubs and clinched the National League East. So, yeah, we came so close in 85, and we hadn't been there in so long. And that was on the heels of 1984. And we felt, oh, my God, we've got Gary Carter, and we've got Howard Johnson, who's proven to be a real threat. And all kinds of great things were going on in 85. And then to fall that close, a little shy, however you want to say it, come that close to St. Louis, 
and not quite get there. That was heartbreaking. Also, I don't know how old Patty is, but he's obviously old enough to remember something that happened 37 years ago. We're all 37 years older now, which is to say we were 37 years younger then. So we probably all took it a lot harder in our youth, uh, certainly if you were around. I don't know where this will rank. I know we, we tend to gravitate toward this is the worst loss since, or this is even worse than. Hey, listen, the rest of October works out. We're going to remember this as a footnote or you know, an asterisk almost. Hey, you know what? We never would have believed this would have happened after what happened in Atlanta. So in the moment, I there with Patty. That was tough. That was a heartbreaker. What happened in Atlanta, depending on, on your mood, was it was a big disappointment, no matter how you cut it. But we had nowhere to go other than one more series at home and then winter in 85. This year, we've got a playoff spot. I mean, it almost sounds as if we're making an alibi, an excuse. Oh, yeah, you know, the playoff spot. It's a playoff spot. All this talk we've committed to being in playoff mode and all the excitement we've evinced here it's real and it's disappointing that we can't go in necessarily at least you know when we got to that conclusion atlanta we said oh no we're not going to be the division champions most likely it won't matter maybe in retrospect it'll matter because oh no we didn't do what we need to do in the wild card series but disappointment you know i, I enter every season with with two thoughts like can we win more games than we lose and can we make a push for the playoffs and i guess a third thought can we make the playoffs but i usually wait, wait to get to september to uh, completely understand that we won more than we lost and we made a push for the playoffs and we got there everything else is going to happen in october so chin up patty chin up all of us maybe the best is yet to come i know it's hard to say that after what we've experienced but it wasn't lethal. It wasn't fatal. It didn't kill us. The playoffs await. That's that's not a small detail. That's not the fine print. That's reality. It didn't kill them. Maybe it will make them stronger. As we look to Friday, maybe the Atlanta series will become merely a bad memory. The Mets have their top three starters lined up for this weekend's wildcard games, a best of three. The big three didn't work out last weekend, but it can't happen again, can it? And all the games are at home. San Diego will have Hugh Darvish, Joe Musgrove, and Blake Snell as their starters. And Snell is a lefty, and the Mets are more vulnerable against lefties, especially without Starling Marte. So it won't be easy, not to mention a lineup with Manning Machado, Juan Soto, and Brandon Drury. Yes, the same player that the Mets DFA'd. If the Mets win, they go on the road for the Dodgers in a best of five. Ken Rosenthal suggested that the Dodgers would be easier to beat in a short series because L.A.'s depth won't matter as much. I don't know if I buy it, but the Mets did win two of three from the Dodgers at the end of August. And then the NLCS and perhaps a rematch against Atlanta. And wouldn't it be amazing to get revenge and then get into the series? After watching this team win 101 games, we should feel confident that it can win 13 more. Maybe we're less confident after last weekend, but we will believe because these Mets are still a great team and because we are in playoff mode. We talked about it last week and it showed on Friday night for me. I'm a comedian and I had a corporate gig in Maryland that night. Now, before you say anything about it conflicting with the game, the show started at seven and I was done before Nimmo's first at bat ended. 
I taped my shows, and here is what I said as I finished my set. You guys have been so nice. My name is Jeff Heisen, L-F-G-M. Guys, you ever miss a Jeff Heisen, everybody? Yes, L-F-G-M. They didn't know what it meant. I didn't care. I wanted to say it because I am in playoff mode, as we all are. So as much as last weekend hurt, it's a new season on Friday, and we believe because we're Mets fans, and this is still the team that had a great season. The Mets are in the playoffs just sooner than expected, and NLT will be with you every day. We'll be back on Saturday to begin our daily episodes. We'll have an episode every afternoon recapping the last game and then getting you ready for the next game. So until then, I'm Jeff Heisen. I'm Greg Prince. And as always, let's go Mets. Copyright 2022 music provided by the Royal Arctic Institute. Check them out on Spotify.